For this week's episode, we bring you sand. Lots and lots and lots of sand. As Anakin Skywalker once said, I hate sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. This week we will be talking about Mad Max Fury Road and 2021's release of the classic tale, Dune. Join us after the music for our in-depth reviews. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. Let's start things out with taking a look at Mad Max Fury Road, which is sort of a, uh, a spin-off, a pseudo-sequel, a reboot of the Mad Max series. I think uh, it's technically a sequel. Alright. Uh, it's directed by George Miller, written by Miller, Brendan McCarthy, and Nico Lathuris, starring Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Zoe Kravitz, some other people I'm not super familiar with. Yeah, a lot of uh, unknown names in this film. Yes. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. And I'm your other host, Rob. And Rob, uh, you've seen this before, haven't you? Yes, I saw it in theaters and a couple times on home video. This is the only Mad Max movie I've seen, but I played the video game. There's a video game? I'm, yes, I it think... came out around the same time as this, and okay. I think it's technically in the same universe, and it's actually a pretty solid game. A lot of video game movies don't... or, or A lot of video game adaptations of movies are not very good. Yeah, it's its own story. I think Miller had a hand in the writing. I could be wrong on that, but it's a pretty solid game. It came out on the early like PS4 era, so <laughs> last gen, and... It's a fun open world like racing action game. Uh, yeah, I I have not seen the other ones. I really should see Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, yeah, the original three have been on my list for a long time, and I just haven't had the opportunity to watch them. I guess, but I've seen Fury Road multiple times, and each yeah. time I watch it, I like it more and more. So I really need to check out the originals. Yeah. George Miller is such a weird dude in terms of his filmography. Mad Max, He's done, 1, 2, 3, 4, and Babe. And also Happy Feet. Oh yeah, I forgot about Happy Feet. <laughs> yes, which I'm, I'm a huge Penguin fan, so that's one of my favorite like kids' movies. I haven't seen it. I uh, When it came out, I wasn't really into children's films. Yeah, I'm just really into Penguin, so I loved yeah. it. Uh, it's not great. Uh, I think it has a lot of the same flaws as the Mad Max movies, honestly, where there's a lot of spectacle and not a ton of plot. Yeah. Um, which is what you can say about this movie as well. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot going on under the surface, which yeah. is kind of a shame. And I, I think that's where George Miller excels, though, because he doesn't use a whole lot in the realm of CGI. He prefers practical effects. So he puts a yes. lot of his effort and thought process into the the sets and the stunts and everything other than the plot. Like, the plot's good enough to keep you interested, but you're really there to see the stunts. Yes. Uh, to the point that Beyond Thunderdome had a co-director who mostly handled the drama and the actor stuff, and Miller took care of the action. And that might have been the way to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the action in this is phenomenal to the point that even the continuity is just perfect. Mm-hmm. And there's cars driving through the desert for almost the entire runtime. Yeah. 
And, and the effects are so good and groundbreaking. This film was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And I think it won Best Director? Or did it win Best... It won a couple Best, but um, not Picture. A, yeah, it's not quite there to win Best... Uh, it won six Oscars. Jeez. Probably a lot of the technical ones. Yeah. Um, a film editing, which I totally agree with. Mm-hmm. Costume design, makeup mm-hmm. and hairstyling, all agree with. Sound mixing and editing and production design, all of which I completely agree with. Watching this in theaters, having the the like 3D audio with the mm-hmm. cars revving and the soundtrack yeah. and just the heavy drums, it was the sound mixing was unreal. It yeah. really immersed me into the film. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, there's not a ton of story, and most of the story is actually about Furiosa, mm-hmm. who, it's a Mad Max movie, but she's kind of the protagonist. Yeah, he's kind of cool. there to help her, and they did announce a spinoff starring Charlize Theron as Furiosa. I'm yes. not sure if it's a prequel or a sequel, but I'm very excited to see where they go with that. I'm really, I mean, there's not a ton of continuity between movies. Yeah. Like, the stories are not super relevant. It's just like the else. same character, kind of like James Bond, yeah. where the same character doing different things. Yeah, I mean, to the point where Mad Max was a character that was made famous by Mel Gibson, and in this movie he's being played by Tom Hardy. Yes. Who, you know, doesn't look or act or sound anything like Mel Gibson. Yeah, and at the start of the movie, they kind of set it up as almost a reboot where yeah. his whole family is dead and he's alone in the desert, where... Again, I haven't seen the originals, but I'm pretty sure that's his same character traits from the originals. Yeah. So it's it's like, it's a pseudo-reboot slash sequel. Yes, and Miller is going to write and direct the Furiosa spinoff, yes. too, which is exciting. Uh, every time he gets to do things, it's... I mean, he creates very interesting, unique, one-of-a-kind works of art. Mm-hmm. I mean, Babe may not be, you know, the kind of movie that I would seek out all the time, but it's definitely something that sticks in my brain, you know, 20 or something years after it came out. Yeah, it was a classic when I was a kid. Um, I'm pretty sure I had the VHS growing up. I don't know how many times I watched it, but it's definitely something that's been in my life. Actually, he only directed the second one, Babe, Pig in the City, which I have not seen. I Um, thought he only did the first one. No, he... uh, the first one he wrote the first one okay which is weird but it was directed by chris noonan he wrote that with george miller so miller was involved in it from the first one and then he ended up directing the second one which is uh that's so funny quite george miller has such an odd filmography he yes. was supposed to do a justice league movie in the late 90s early 2000s and then they they scrapped that i could see him doing really like having a lot of fun with that yeah but i don't know if it's quite his speed you're probably right. I mean, he's good with the action stuff, but that's not the only thing you need in yeah. in a film like that. Well, if we look at the other superhero movies from that era, they were all kind of bogus. Like, that was pre-Blade, so yeah. the superhero movies weren't really taken seriously yet, apart from Batman. Everybody loves Batman. Yes. But there was like... The 90s Punisher film, the Judge Dredd starring Stallone movie. There was a crappy Captain America movie. So (laughs) I'm not sure that one was even released. It may have been. I don't know. I've seen screenshots in the trailer. There was a uh, 
Fantastic Four movie that was made but not released just yep. to keep the rights. Yeah, I heard about that. Because yeah. Marvel is real, sti- or they were real stingy with their rights. Yeah. Like, they gave them away, but they you had to make movies, like, every couple months. Or every yeah, couple every years. Couple years yeah. yeah. Which is why Spider-Man is such a hot commodity. It's mm-hmm. the only one that hasn't been reverted back to them, so far as I know. They have, like, a joint deal going on. Because Sony doesn't want to give up their baby. That's their yeah. moneymaker. And Marvel yeah. wants Peter Parker in their movies, so... Yes. But that, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So there is another Mad Max that's been greenlit. Mad Max The Wasteland? Yes. I think they greenlit that the day this came out. That doesn't surprise me. Because, yeah, this, and... this movie made a ton yeah. of money. Yeah, it did. It, way more than expected. No one expected this to win awards, and all of a sudden it, it won six Oscars. Yeah. Including some of the prestige awards, like costume design and makeup design, which, you know... Normally go to like period films. Yeah, I'm really happy it did because it's a fantastic action movie. It's from the minute it starts, you're um, your knuckles, you're you got yeah. those white knuckles. Absolutely, it's just a a ton of. Fun. It's not the smartest movie in the world, but it's no. a ton of fun. It doesn't need to be smart either. Yeah, it's it's a lot. The action is crazy and completely over the top, mm-hmm. but it's done in a very smart way. Yes, and there's actual character arcs. Like yeah. Um, What's the dude saying? Hux. He grows as a character. Furiosa grows as a character. Max kind of does. He's pretty stagnant, but he has a clear arc. Yes, I think Nux might actually be my favorite character from it. He's awesome. Um, I'm a big fan of Nicholas Holtz, the actor who plays him, who's almost unrecognizable under all that makeup. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a guy who just has been low-key killing it forever. And it's fun to just see him in this kind of hammy, showy part, even though he's largely unrecognizable. Yes. Um, so, is there anything bad you want to say about the movie? Um, the only thing that I think I kind of struggle with is that I just find the villain to be a little too over the top. I mean, I, I, I kind of like that, though, because the world feels very cartoony. It and does. And I think he adds, he's like the cherry on top of that. Yeah, I mean, the mask is ridiculous, and, you know, uh, I'm not really familiar with... Oh, he was in other ones, too. He played different characters in oh. other uh, Mad Max movies. Interesting. And sadly, the, the the guy passed away recently, just peacefully in his sleep. That's... I mean, he was in his 70s, and yeah. you know, probably abused his body being an action star. And Well, he yeah. went out on top with Fury Road. <laughs> with Fury Road. That was his last... Uh, his last film. And it's a, I mean, it's a crazy performance, but I think mm-hmm. he's a little over, the, I mean, the movie's super over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about all I really have to complain about. Yeah. I personally, I think the pacing in the middle kind of slows down, but once they get back on the road, it revs back up. So yeah, Mad Max has always been a road series. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, the road warrior, yeah, <laughs> for like, example. So they don't spend a lot of time outside of the vehicles. And when they're outside the vehicles, it's largely for plot reasons and, like, setting reasons. So it's expected to be a little slow, so it's forgivable for that. But then, like, once they get back in the car, it just revs right up, and it doesn't let go. So I give yes. Fury Road a highly recommend for everyone. I think there's something in here for everyone. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you're not going to be bored. Yeah. I mean, even if it does, it does slow down a little bit, you're not going to be bored by this film. There's always something crazy going on. Mm-hmm. There's the 
the guy playing the flaming electric guitar that gets in on the fighting on occasion, which is fun too. He's probably my favorite character. <laughs> yes. He's so cool. He's yeah, he's great. I don't know what his deal is, but he's just this dude who is uh, you know, just playing a guitar that's on fire. I want a and... spin off movie about him. <laughs> it would be a short, but it would be fun. Uh, I, something with that music is an interesting fact. I can't think of it off the top of my head, and I really wish I had it. I th- I think he actually played the guitar on set, and like all of that is actual audio. I can't remember. It's it's something cool. I'll find it and get back yeah, to it. According to Wikipedia, that character is called the Doof Warrior. <laughs> nice. I don't know who... Uh, it, apparently, it was a purely practical thing. Um Including all of the fire. None of the fire is CG. Yes. Which is nuts to me. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, yes, that looked terrifying from just like a perspective, like a filming perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just trying to look up who played him to see if it's a musician I'm familiar with or just, you know, some dude. They shot this movie in sequence, which is almost never done. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because of just how phenomenal the continuity is. Mm-hmm. You kind of would have to. Um, this guy's name is Iota. Nice. He's a performing artist and yeah, mostly a mostly a uh, a musician. It looks like. Although he was also in, he was, he also played a musician in Great Gatsby. So that's cool. Uh, anyway, I got nothing else really to say. Yeah, me neither. We're just kind of meandering at this kind of harping on how much fun uh, we had with this one it's which, a great movie yes which might not bode well for dune when we get there in a few minutes that's we're going to uh, <laughs> yes we're going to take a break and then we'll take a look at dune when we get back Welcome back as we dive into the new 2021 release of Dune, a a IP that has been remade over and over again. And does the new iteration get it right? We will discuss. So, the new the new release of Dune was written by John Spithis, I think is how you say it. Spats? The Spats? H and the T are yeah. It's... John Spats. I have no idea. I'm not familiar with, with this guy at all. Also written by Denis Villeneuve. I believe it's pronounced Denis uh, Villeneuve. Val- Denis Villeneuve. 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 And Eric Roth, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Sorry, I butchered it. Villeneuve? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not French. Yeah, he's uh, a French-Canadian, which I just learned today. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite working directors. I think his output is outstanding. He doesn't have a single film I don't like. Um, Prisoners is one of my all-time favorite thrillers. I, th- I, I would compare him to a modern-day David Fincher. I can see that. A lot of the same, like, lingering long shots, dark stories, and... Now, he's doing a little more blockbustery stuff now, but yeah, that's fine. 
But Dune is a classic story based on the Frank Herbert novel written in 1965, I believe it was published. Uh, I think you're right. Some Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because that probably came out not long after the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, I imagine he started working on it around the same time yeah. that those were being published. Because there's definitely some influence there. For sure. They have similar plot structure. They do. Um, but for those who don't know, it's based on the 1965 novel. It's, it's in... The way, way future of humanity. I think it's the year 10,106, somewhere around there. But basically this family gets sent to a planet of spice by the Galactic Emperor to cultivate it and sell it as a money-making scheme. And um, it's really about it. Yeah, the spice (laughs) in this universe is a drug. Uh, It's... I mean, it's a MacGuffin, essentially, but... Yeah. It, um, it's a drug. It powers the ships for intergalactic travel. It makes... It also money. allows people to think fast and properly enough to do intergalactic travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you need it in order to think that, that quickly. As a result, it's highly addictive, and it gets you really high. Mm-hmm. And the people that live in the desert called the Fremen, which I think comes from free man but i can't prove that yeah uh, they're all like all addicted to it and their eyes are all blue as a result mm-hmm. um the problem they is just breathe it in all day yeah the problem is that this uh this land or this planet of um arrakis is home to giant like 1200 foot long sandworms that are attracted to rhythmic noise mm-hmm so cultivating and, the spice is extremely dangerous. Yes, people die all the time doing it because anything you do is going to be very uh, rhythmic when you're mining or walking or even the tanks they use are very rhythmic. Yep. So, yeah, it's uh, it's messed up. <laughs> and that's unfortunately, that's kind of the plot of this movie is just like the political stuff. There's mm-hmm. some action in the second half. It's a lot of setup and mm-hmm. world building, and yeah. we'll get into that in a minute because that's like a big part of the film. But something we should touch on before we get into it is the cast. The cast yes. is unbelievable in the this. The cast like, is stacked in this. Every time. famous person ever is in this movie. Yeah. So we got Timothy Charlemagne as Paul Atreides, the lead role. Rebecca Ferguson as Jessica Atreides, his Paul's mother. mother. Yeah. Zendaya as Chani. She has a very small role in this, but it will be yeah. a major role in part two. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Stalin Sarsgaard, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Javier Bodum, Dave Bautista. The list goes on. Jason Momoa, who I thought was one of the best actors in the movie, which is like I've never think I've never thought of him as like an actor. Yeah, just like a more of a movie star than an actor. But he's actually like he's. He's a, a lot. He's pretty good. I yeah. honestly really like him as Aquaman, and yeah. I never thought I would say that, but I think he breathes some really much-needed life into that character, and seeing him in other roles as Aquaman, I see why people really like him. Yeah. And, he, I mean, he was great here. He's charming, mm-hmm. and he's funny, and he's, he's like, he shaves his beard off for, yep. for uh, some of it, which I didn't expect. Um 
But yeah, everyone in this movie is really good, especially yeah. Stalin Sarsgaard. He's got yes. heavy makeup and heavy costume on, and he he plays the villain, and he is absolutely terrifying. Yes, uh, in the in the book, he's kind of cartoony, like he's mm-hmm. just he's fat to the point that he needs like technology to move his body around. Yes, and it just looks stupid. Or just feels stupid, but mm-hmm. Selen Skarsgård to me looks a lot more like um, uh, Kurtz at the end of uh, Heart uh, Heart of Darkness. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Yes, that's what it remind. That's what he reminded mm-hmm. me of was just this like giant beast of a man yeah. who feels like he's nine feet tall. And he still uses that stuff to float around, but it's much more imposing as opposed to goofy. When he floats around, it's done in a really fun, like, close-up, but out of focus. And he floats in from the background. And it's really intimidating. Yeah, And it's realistic, too. Like, he hits his feet on tables and whatnot. And it's kind of comical, but then, you know, it's realistic. Like, that's going to happen. But, yeah, he's just the scariest... uh, the, the scariest, weirdest dude, and I—I I really wish that the uh, Yodowski version had gotten farther than it is because mm-hmm. uh, Harkonnen was supposed to ride in this chair that H.R. Geiger had designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Geiger is probably best known for designing the Alien in the, the Alien Zeno series. Morph. He produces these truly inhuman, like unearthly designs and he's just a brilliant artist or what i believe he passed away a few years ago um, just insane genius of a man and uh, it would be such an interesting idea to see how that were to play out but anyway what we have is a very different interpretation of the character that's yes. way less cartoony and i think that works really well yeah it's he is definitely more scary in this than i pictured him in the book yes the the first description you get of him in the book kind of undermines how terrifying he is. Yes. And it, it's hard to get that out of my mind when I read the book. Have you read the book before? Like I have. Yeah. Um, um, I'm not a, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of it. And I, I know that that's kind of a sin among a lot of, you know, nerdy people. And it's just, it's not really, I've tried to like it. I really, really have. I, I just can't get into it. I agree with you. Um, I think it's an issue with Dune as a as a property than anything because I've tried the book. I got halfway through it and I had to put it down. I was bored to tears. I tried the '90s miniseries and again I was bored out of my mind. I tried the David Lynch movie and just couldn't get into it. And this one, like I finished it, but for most of it, I was pretty bored. Yeah. The the problem that I had, and I think is an issue with that as well, is the, the pacing is atrocious. Yes. Literally the first hour is just spent introducing characters with almost no action. Mm-hmm. And it's and just like, oh, this guy, I know this actor. Okay, cool. You don't see him again for 40 minutes. Yeah. And with that comes a ton of exposition. And it's just like long monologues over droning sequences of ships and like people working and... Yeah various other things and the movie is very pretty to watch it's a very 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 well made movie it looks fantastic but the issues with the script yes do you ever play uh, knights of the old republic Mm, parts of it okay do you ever get to the sith planet no 
it's it reminded me so much this movie reminded me so much of that it's just like all of these fancy ornate buildings in the desert and you're just like something happened please yeah like and, there's a big fight sequence in the middle of this film and after that i think the movie could have ended because the next yeah. hour is a complete bore yes there's there's some interesting stuff but this i think would have worked better as maybe an hbo series yes if you had this broken up into smaller sections so that you didn't feel like you're just sitting there for most of like, so this yeah. movie is two hours and 35 minutes yeah it covers the same material that david lynch did in an hour and a half so you're taking the first like what third first two quarters of the book and stretching it out to a two and a half hour movie yeah. And even in the book, nothing really happens in that first half. It's all set up and and lore. Yes, and I think that's why a lot of people who don't like Dune don't like it very much, mm-hmm. is that it takes forever to get anywhere. Yes. But the thing is, once it gets somewhere, it's pretty good. Yes, which so, is, uh, at time of recording, it's just been announced an hour or two ago that the sequel to this has been greenlit. That was up in the air until yeah. very recently. Till today. Till today. So till earlier. Twenty twenty three um, is the projected release date. So yes, like we're gonna be waiting another two years to see where this story goes. Yes, and it, it's going to be almost to the day two years from now to yeah. see the next film, and hopefully it will be, you know, a good a good follow up. I mean, sometimes you get a movie like this that's designed around a second film. The second film just never materializes. Yeah, and. That's part of my issue with this, too. Like, it's all this buildup, and then it ends. It's not a satisfying conclusion. It just feels incomplete. It really does. It just sort of... It was like when I saw Lord of the Rings for the first time. Fellowship just sort of ends. Granted, that's because the other two films had already been made and were yes. going to be released. But and they had release dates for them not far away. Yes. Lord of the Rings, they were what, a year a year apart? They were separated by a year, and although Peter Jackson was still filming reshoots because he's a crazy person who's a workaholic, <laughs> that and was a different thing. He wanted thing. those to be great because like, yes. that was his passion project. Yes, and this was that for Villeneuve. Um, yes, because Villeneuve who, wanted to make a Dune movie since he was a kid. Yeah, so. and I've come to the conclusion watching this that his work is just not for me. The only things I really liked by him are parts of Enemy, and uh, I really liked Arrival. But I think Arrival is the film that he had the least control over of See, all the things uh, that he's done. out of his whole filmography, I like Arrival the least. Huh. So you and I have very opposing <laughs> opinions on Dennis Villeneuve. On Dennis Villeneuve, yeah. I really like Arrival. Um, I like parts of Enemy. I think the, the ending of Enemy is incredibly bold. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it works 100%, but I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's like the one person that I think should have been in the herd that wasn't is Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know who he could have played. He could have been the father, I think. But sure Oscar Isaac enough. really killed the role. I'm not sure Oscar, I'm not sure he's old enough to conven- or convincingly play that character. And Oscar Isaac really owned that part. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is just low-key one of the best actors working, I Jake think. Gyllenhaal is probably my favorite actor, and I really like his work with uh, Dennis. So seeing him, if he was in this, I would be extremely happy. But I do think this movie was perfectly Although, cast. 
Oscar Isaac is only like a year and a half older than Jake John. I just don't think of him as so much older. I don't know why. Yeah, it's the beard. <laughs> it must be. Uh, yeah, he's such a... Um, but the only person I think I would recast is Timothy Chalamet because yeah. he's so boring in yeah. everything he's in. I, you said it earlier off mic. I think that he just blends into the wall. He does. Like, like there's, he has to carry a lot of this movie by himself, talking to no one, and it's just like there are certain actors that you can see the gears working in their brain, and you mm-hmm. can imagine them being the character, and some of them are just like reading off their lines, not really paying attention. And he definitely falls into that second category for me. Yeah, he just like stares at the wall. They cut to a vision of Zendaya, and then he they cut back to to Timothy Chalamet, and he's just like, "Whoa, yeah. I I don't get it." And he's this super popular actor, and I'm like, I don't understand. I really don't. Yeah. If I anybody feel bad saying it, if anyone listening can shed some light on why people like Timothy Chalamet, please do, because Ryan and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad saying that because I'm sure he's a, a wonderful guy, but just like he was in Lady Bird and I had to look up who he was because I had forgotten. Yeah, Ryan was listing off a bunch of movies <laughs> he was in and I was like, he was in that? He was in that? He was in that? Yeah. So, but yeah, um, I think my biggest issue with this is the runtime. It definitely could have been cut down and it's clearly so built to set up for the sequel that it doesn't feel like an actual movie it feels like a prologue it really really does it feels like the the first five or six minutes of lord of the rings where you have this whole like here's what happened before yeah it's kind of like if fellowship ended after bilbo's party it does kind of feel like that and it's really a shame um just because the parts that work really do work Mm -hmm. the the sword fighting is really good yeah, the I mean, action's really yeah. fun, and there's great ideas in it, just like there's great ideas in the books, but unfortunately, like, I never, I don't care enough to, like, yeah. go forward. I'm just bored out of my mind. And I'm told that if you see it in a theater, it's a better experience. Uh, I watched it at home on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that, because I kept having to turn the volume up. Because it was so quiet. I don't know how the sound could be overwhelming if I had to keep turning my speakers up. Yeah, I but, had tickets to see it in theaters. And by the time, I think I had a 3 o'clock showtime. And by the time it rolled around, I was like, I don't feel like leaving the house. So I watched it on HBO and agreed. Like, I couldn't hear a word they were saying. The music was too loud. It's like, I don't know. Maybe it's my speakers. Yeah, that, that could be. I mean, I put headphones on even just because I couldn't hear anything. And I just, I don't get it. Um, I think it just wasn't for me. Like, yeah, you know, I know people who love this movie who just cannot wait to see the next one yeah. now that it's been announced, and that's awesome. I think liking things is way more fun than not liking them. Agreed. I tried um, so hard to like Dune multiple times throughout my life, and yeah. you know, I saw this. I still have Dune on the brain. It's a very good movie. I'm thinking about it, or it's a very well made movie. I should yeah. say, and I'm still thinking about it, and it's making me want to go back to watch the older iterations, just to like maybe now that I saw this and I have it fresh in my mind, maybe I'll understand the world more. Like my biggest issue with the book was having to turn to the back glossary every paragraph to figure out what the <laughs> hell he was talking about. But yeah. now that I have that terminology in my head, I might like it more, so I might give it yeah. another shot. Yeah, it, 
I mean, I, I think I watched the first season of Game of Thrones before I read any of the books just so I could put faces to names because mm-hmm. there's so many characters. And this is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I think it gets, you know, more like Game of Thrones as it goes where there's so many characters. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of books, I believe, that Frank Herbert's son continued to work on them after he passed yes. in the 80s. Yes, I think Frank Herbert wrote six of them. And then yeah. his son took over, and from what I'm told, everything written by his son is not worth reading. Yeah, Brian uh, Brian Herbert has yes. written 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, um, 15, at least 16 books in the series, um, of which five were written by, uh, by Frank Herbert. Um some of them, one of them has not been released yet, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm running out of things to say here. Yeah, um, um, I'll just summarize my thoughts. Um, very well-made movie. It feels incomplete. Um, when part two comes out, I will see it. I'm interested to see where it goes. And in the meantime, I might revisit some older iterations. I heard the sci-fi channel miniseries is pretty good, so I might watch that. Kyle McLaughlin is always a good time. Yeah, he's in the um, David Lynch Sci- version. Oh, he, well, I thought he was the in the sci-fi one. No, he's the David Lynch oh, okay. version. That's supposed okay. to be really trippy. Yeah, I mean David Lynch. Yeah, he he chose to focus more on the visions and the the spice than the yeah. actual plot, but which know, that, is that largely sense. excised from this version, where the spice feels much more like a MacGuffin. They're just they're yeah. seeking this stuff out because it's very it's worth a lot of money. I will say one of the coolest things about Dune is the sandworms, and seeing them in this was really cool. They look much more like sharks. They look much more animalistic. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not necessarily as thinking. They're just a force of nature, which I think was very cool. Yeah. Characters use them to accomplish their goals in a couple scenes, and I think that's very clever. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, so that's pretty much my thoughts. Yeah. Nothing... I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. It's not, Dune seems a very much love it or hate it kind of franchise, and yes. I'm on the fence. I used to hate it, but I gotta be honest. I think I'm leaning more towards like it the more I think about it. Yeah, but I need well, to finish the book before I can say yeah. anything. We'll revisit uh, at the moment. I think we have planned for next week a film that I am super excited about. I'm also very excited for uh, Last Night in Soho, about which I know basically nothing except yeah. uh, Edgar Wright is behind it. Yeah, Edgar Wright himself said avoid trailers, so awesome. I avoided trailers. Good. I am super excited to see it. But and... as at this moment, we're going to pair it with the original Suspiria. Yes. That uh, may change depending on how we feel when we see it. But yes. It looks like it could have some leaning into giallo, and I think I'm developing a taste for uh, giallo after. I love giallo films. Uh, yeah, after um, looking into it a bit more, I think I'm yeah. developing a bit of a taste for Good. it. So, if you like giallo films and watch enough to really learn the tropes of the genre, I have a really good parody of giallo films you should watch called The Editor. The editor. I'll yes, look that it's up. It's from like 2015. It started as a fake trailer, and they won a contest and decided to make a full film. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very funny. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us in the crossroads, and join us next week for some, uh, hopefully, some giallo. 
The Crossroads Podcast is recorded and produced by Rob Kolb and Ryan Hall. The Crossroads theme was recorded and written by Caleb Dorr. Featured music this week is Rare to Wake by Shannon Leigh.